Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. All right, we are now joined by a very special guest, Chicago Cubs relief pitcher Anthony Kay joins the podcast. Anthony, so thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, been looking forward to this one for a while. So, how are you? And, and how was your All Star break? Good. Yeah, it was good. We uh, finished the break at uh, Yankee Stadium, so it was nice that I live like an hour away. So I was able to go home for a couple of days, and it was good. Love that. Yeah, nice. it's it's really cool. I think a theme throughout your career has just been like the close proximity that you've kind of stayed to where you're from, which is so awesome. I think Kate wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So I will hand it over to her. Yeah. So I'm also from Long Island, from Wontaw. So I saw that you went to Ward Melville high school and I saw that you also won the championship in 2013 team was super successful. And I found it really interesting that although you and Steven Matz didn't play together in high school, you're both drafted and then ended up playing in Toronto in 2021. How much was that a full circle moment for you? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I mean, kind of growing up, I kind of looked up to him. So it was definitely really cool to be able to play with him. And now we kind of have the same thing going on with Ben Brown, who went to my high school also. And he's currently in Iowa with the AAA team. So it's kind of just full circle for, for everyone involved. Yeah, it, just, it seems like that school just breeds excellent starting pitchers. Do you remember anything that the team does differently or the way the baseball program is handled there? Um, you gotta, gotta give a lot of credit to our coach, Lou Petrucci. He's been, I mean, he just gives everyone such good confidence to be able to, you know, be themselves. And, you know, he called me up when I was a freshman and, you know, I didn't really have much confidence in myself. And, you know, I had, I think like a pretty rough outing my first time out there. And then, you know, he kind of gave me the confidence that he's like, Hey, you're going to go out there every single time. And, you know, I don't care how you do, but we're going to give you the ball every single time. So it's kind of just a good confidence thing that he gives you. And, you know, I think that's kind of how, why everyone is so successful from, from around there. Yeah, absolutely. I remember there in all the articles, they were saying he would never even admit to it, but a lot of this team success does come from him. I oh, yeah, also, definitely. yeah. So I also read that you threw a no hitter in high school. That's actually so cool. Do you remember that game or is it so long ago? You're like, Oh no, I don't remember that at all. I do remember it. I think. Okay. I want to say it was like my first or second start of, of that year. And I remember he was trying to take me out after like five innings because it was so early in the year and my pitch count was up. And I remember going to the assistant coach and I was like, uh, does he not know what's going on right now? <laughs> and he's like, I'll talk to him. And then like he comes back like two minutes later and was like, yeah, you're, you're going to finish this. <laughs> That's awesome. Are so I remember I was watching an instance where Garrett Cole, like, I think he was throwing a no hitter through seven and he kind of like stood in the corner and like, didn't want anyone to talk to him. Was that similar for you? Did you like not want anyone to talk to you kind of stand in the corner, just like really focus in? Uh, I was kind of the opposite in, in high school. Like I know our team was very loud on the bench with like all the chirps and all the chants and everything that we had. So I was probably the one leading the chance on that, but uh I think like later in my career, like if it was college and 
my first couple of years in Pro Bowl, I probably wouldn't have wanted anyone to talk to me. But back then, I didn't care. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's such a different atmosphere in high school, honestly. Yeah. Um, but Justin, I think you wanted to touch on the draft a little bit. No, I said a quick follow up on that. Like, what did you do to celebrate your high school no hitter? The best part about high school sports is always going to like McDonald's or something random after the game. <laughs> Applebee's, you... half apps, yeah, or Applebee's. <laughs> uh, I don't think I really did anything crazy. I think, um, honestly, I think I had like a couple like scout meetings that I had to do that like I planned the day like weeks before and then you know it kind of happened and I just you know kind of went about my day like nothing happened (laughs) I miss that I I miss playing high school sports for that exact reason you're just trying to shove as much fast food in your face as you can get (laughs) impede against your friends it's it's a different time yeah Um, I'm I'm fascinated though with, with your MLB draft experience though because like I saw the Mets have taken you twice 29th round out of high school and 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 then first round 2016, um, they, they made you a significant offer the first time though. Like how important was it for you to bet on yourself, improve upon that initial offer and eventually go to UConn? Yeah, I think I was more kind of insulted that I kind of like, obviously getting drafted is cool, but like being in the 29th round, I was obviously looking to go higher. So I was kind of just insulted with that. And, you know, going to UConn was always something I was looking forward to. So once that happened, kind of just figured I was going to go there and then, I got drafted like super late. I think like after we lost our state championship game. So I was pretty bummed about that. And then, you know, that happened and kind of lightened the mood, but yeah, I just really just wanted to go to school after that and kind of, you know, improve everything and, you know, see, see what that was all about. Absolutely. I was talking to Kate a little bit before this, cause I'm, I'm from DC. I'm not from New York. Unlike you guys. Uh, very jealous though, but I'm curious, like what the breakdown of like Long Island fandom is, or is it mostly Mets? Is it mostly Yankees? Uh, what was kind of like your, your baseball fandom growing up out there? I grew up a Yankees fan, but I'd say it's pretty split. Honestly, I don't think there's really like a, I want to say Long Island is probably more Mets fans if I would have to pick, but I think overall, like on, in New York, probably Yankees. Yeah. I, I would have to agree with that. Yeah. yeah, you're a Yankees fan, right, Kate? I am a Yankees fan, yes. Yes, diehard Yankee fan. Which is good. See, we have that in common. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was it was it cool though to like still like be like that close having a team that did you go to Mets games growing up? I know you're a Yankees fan, but I'm sure you had to to intermingle there with Shea Stadium and City Field. Yeah, I definitely went to both. Like whenever we can get tickets to any game, we would go. So didn't matter who it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at UConn though, I was reading and I saw your, your coach at UConn. He had a really great quote. He said, you possess Long Island swagger. Um, <laughs> how would you kind of quantify Long Island swagger? And is that something that you take a lot of pride in? <laughs> I don't know if you can really, uh, define what it is. You kind of just, you just have it or you don't, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, I would say like, it's kind of like a certain cockiness, I guess you could say that like you're confident in yourself, but you know, you're not too crazy cocky where you know it gets overboard is, is that something that. that like did you carry with that carry that same kind of like attitude today oh yeah definitely you always got to have like a little you know chip on your shoulder and kind of cockiness to yourself that you know that you can get guys out at any level i like that i like that mentality too because i also saw that you were described as like a bulldog out there on the mound um how is it hard though trying to like balance like that level of like fiery intensity and also like trying to not let your emotions get the best of you? Yeah, I've definitely uh 
definitely get carried away a little bit on the mountain. Sometimes I get a little, a little too fiery and, you know, I got ejected earlier in the year and down in uh triple a. So definitely let it, uh, get the best of me sometimes, but you got to hone it in a little bit. Wait, what happened in triple a? Yeah. I'm so curious. <laughs> so, this is good. um, it was a kind of a, a bunch of things that happened where we were playing Buffalo. So it was against my old team. So obviously I wanted to do really good against them. And, um, there was like a play in uh, in foul territory where uh, our first baseman caught the ball and then it kind of like bounced off the net. But the first base umpire originally called it an out. And then the home plate umpire, like 200 feet away, reversed it. So I was pretty hot about that. And then I didn't get ejected then, but I was, I was yelling at the umpire a lot. <laughs> and then um, – I came out of the game. I don't remember what happened. I think I walked a guy and then like got a sack fly or something. And it was the last inning too. And so then I came out of the game and Cam Sanders came in after me and there was like a couple check swings or like close calls that were like, I thought were for sure going against us that should have been going in our favor. And so I was just yelling from the dugout and just going off. And this guy was just giving me a massive leash where I was just, ripping everything in the vocabulary and then finally turned and threw me out. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you find that the umpires in AAA are a little bit more lenient and let you guys get away with more than they do in the big leagues? Yeah, I think so. Just cause you know, there's no cameras or anything. So they can kind of get away with, with uh, letting guys go a little bit, which is kind of nice. But once you get here, you kind of, you can't do that. <laughs> Do you, are you like, cause you've been in big leagues for a little bit now. Do you have like certain umpires? Like, are, are you like friendly with them? Like how, what's your relationship? Cause like, obviously you want to be in, in good enough standing where like maybe that one ball, like an inch off the plate, you know, you're hoping they'll give it to you. Yeah. So there's a couple guys that I like came up with in the minor leagues the whole way that like I recognize, but you know, being a reliever, like you're only in there for a certain amount. You like, don't even really realize who the umpires are. So I think like as a starter, you kind of realize it a little bit more, but being a reliever, you don't really notice who's back there. Is that something you guys talk about in the bullpen? Like, I, there's, I don't know if this Twitter account's still out there. It's like uh, umpire scorecards and like kind of t- like learn like tendencies or like like oh we got we got him today. We we have we know that like we're not getting anything high and whatever. Like do you, are these conversations that you guys have like talking about umpires before the game. Um, I mean, we kind of like know a little bit about like their tendencies and stuff. Like, I think that we have like a sheet of like what they call and stuff, but we don't really like try and like pitch to it or anything. Cause I guess, okay. I mean, it's more important to, you know, pay attention to the hitters weakness rather than the umpires. Right. Okay. That's fair. All right, Kate. I'm curious. Sorry. I do have one more. I'm curious what like the vibes are in the bullpen, because I did a documentary series last summer with the double A and the triple A teams for the Yankees. So Somerset and then uh, Scranton and I remember we tried to interview them in the bullpen. They said, nope, this is, this is very classified information. You can't, can't have any insight on what goes on here. So are like the vibes like loose. Is it depend on the outcome of the game? Like kind of what's going on in the bullpen? Um, I would say probably for the first like four to five innings when the starters throwing, it's very relaxed and, you know, we're kind of just talking about anything really out there just to, you know, kind of just let the time pass a little bit. And then once, once guys start warming up, everyone kind of locks in and, you know, you worry more about the game than, you know, talking. Makes sense. Um, but I do want to take back to 
UConn junior year, looked up your stats, absolutely phenomenal. Nine and two, 2.65 ERA, team best 11 strikeouts coming, the sixth Husky to win 20 career games, 22 in total. What do you remember most from that time? And do you think there was anything you were doing specifically that was contributing to that success? Um, Honestly, I'm like a totally, completely different pitcher that I that I am now than I was really? back then. Okay. Yeah, so when I was in college, it was pretty much just like fastball changeup. And like I didn't even really have any like spin or anything like that. And then I had to get TJ once I came out of college. And I kind of just like lost the feel for that. And it changed everything. So now I'm more like fastball cutter, slider guy rather than fastball changeup. So I'd say just having that changeup back then was huge. Right. What was that process like trying to basically change your entire style of pitching after college? Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. Cause you know, I've always obviously relied on the changeup and like, not really like some days it'd be good. Some days it wouldn't be after having surgery and kind of just like realized that like I needed something else. Cause you know, the changeup's not always going to be there. So originally I think I had like a curveball that was like pretty efficient and then Somehow, some way, I ended up with a, a slider and a cutter after all the years. That's crazy. Was that a slow uh, recovery process after Tommy John, or do you think it was like pretty okay? Yeah, no, I think it was like pretty normal. I don't think it was anything, you know, crazy slow or fast or anything like that. Awesome. And when you did get drafted out of college, I remember seeing all of the draft videos. I think they're so fun. MLB should really put those out all the time. But Anthony Volpe's was great. I remember when they drafted him out of high school. Can you just tell us some of your emotions that day, especially after getting drafted in high school and then ultimately again after college, well, during college? Yeah. So, I mean, I obviously knew I was going to get drafted at some point during that day. I didn't know when. So it was kind of just like anxiety of like kind of figuring out, you know, when it was going to happen. And then it was all just like silence because they were talking to like my agent and stuff like that. So. I think like around like pick like 25 or 26, they told me that like the Mets were really looking into it. And, and then eventually like they called like the pick before and they're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to take you there. And, you know, it was kind of just like a relief of finally knowing like what was actually going to happen. Right. Did you have like a big draft party with everyone sitting around waiting? Yeah. There was probably like 20 to 30 people that were there. Nice. That's so fun. See? Yeah. Yeah, something awesome. I wish I could have done, participated in somehow. <laughs> Justin, go ahead. So I was reading about when you're coming up through the Mets system. Uh, I'm fascinated by this. I ask any athlete who's kind of around the Mets at this time. Like, did you in 2019? I think you were in AAA. Did you was Tim Tebow on that team when you were on there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can you take me through that whole experience? Because I, I remember like Tebow mania would come to your minor league city, and it was like for a couple of years there it was the craziest thing ever. <laughs> but like, what was that like being teammates with? like football legend Tim Tebow yeah it was awesome I mean he's he's a great guy and you know you kind of just like you see all the stuff that goes on in the media and you're like is is he really like that like does he really like and I mean he was he's a genuine nice guy and you know it was it was nice to have him on a team because we actually got fans and stuff so it was definitely uh filled the stadiums which was cool what was kind of like his like vibe and like in like the locker room, like what, what was like, he liked to hang out around where guys like picking his brain, talking college football with him. I'm sure that had to come up. Like what, what were some of the things that you remember like talking about and being around Tim? 
yeah, I remember a lot of guys asking him about like uh, like his time at Florida and all that, and like just like how different you know the locker room was here compared to like in football and stuff like that. So it was a lot of guys just comparing stuff to like how things were here compared to the NFL or you know Florida. He was a pretty good hitter too. Like I think he was like a Double A All Star. I know Triple A didn't really work out for him, but like. Did you see him like working in the cage and stuff? Like, did he look like a like a major league baseball player or like a baseball player? Yeah, no, he was he was pretty solid at the plate up until I think Triple A. I think like, yeah, like you said, he was an all star and stuff. And like, you can see that you know he definitely you know played back in the day and like he was he still had a solid swing. It just you know I think it kind of, they kind of figured him out in Triple A a little bit. I really wish the Mets would have called him up. That would have been so much fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I was reading, so being traded, obviously it's hard. Um, but like, what's it like being traded mid season? Like you were. Yeah. I mean, I was really struggling when I first got called out to triple A with the Mets. So I think kind of getting traded was kind of nice for me just cause like kind of get a, fr- like a fresh start with, with everything out there. And then just getting a whole new set of, eyes on you and seeing what the blue jc and like kind of working on different stuff that they that they thought would help me and i think it was honestly huge for my success now that's fascinating yeah i always love like like learning like how organizational pitching philosophies like differ uh, what did the mets work on you with and then how did that differ from what the toronto people were doing with you um i would say the mets were more working on like mechanics stuff like trying to fix like stuff with that. And then the Jays were working more on like, just trying to like work on staying in the zone and throwing more strikes and focusing more on my stuff rather than, you know, trying to change anything. Did you have a preference for, for which one, like between the two? Um, I mean, it was nice that like the Jays kind of have like the confidence in you just to like kind of be yourself and, you know, just do your thing and, don't worry about anything else and then, you know, kind of figure it out afterwards. But I mean, both were pretty solid for helping me, I think. Love that. All right, Kate, what do you got? And then transitioning to Toronto, it's pretty, pretty far away from home. How was that like? And did you ever get homesick? Like, what was that experience like? Um, I mean, it's definitely weird because before that, I've never been out of the country. So oh, wow. that was the first time I was able to you know, go out of the country and experience something else. But I mean, it was pretty much the same thing. I didn't really like, see too much like differences in Toronto or New York or anything like that. But I feel like just being away from like my home all the time, like I didn't really experience too much like homesickness or anything like that. So just feel like I've been away for so long that it doesn't really affect me anymore. So you didn't have like a passport before this. Did you have to like go update that and get ready um, for Toronto? So I played for Team USA my sophomore year of college, but we didn't go anywhere. We stayed in North Carolina the whole time. I think they just got it just in case. So I had one already, but never used it. That's really cool that your first time playing out of the country is in the major yeah. leagues. Um, did your family like come and visit you a bunch? Um, I don't think any of them had a passport either. So I don't think I don't think any of them were really able to come. Oh my gosh, that's that's tough. But I mean, it makes sense. Like, yeah, they probably came though when you guys came, obviously to the states. Yeah, yeah, they were there for my debut in in Tampa. So, your debut. What was that experience like? 
like just like jitters was like were you super nervous are you more did you have the long island swagger you were way more confident <laughs> um honestly i wasn't really that nervous i think you know kind of since i debuted in tampa it kind of helped considering you know they don't really get too many fans or anything like that so it wasn't like i had like the bright lights or anything like that like worrying about like all the people and stuff like that i kind of tried to treat it like it was any other day but you know once i got out there it was just felt like another game do you have a favorite stadium that you've ever pitched at um my favorite place to go to is yankee stadium yeah. might be a little biased but Slightly. i think uh just like the crowd the atmosphere and like the clubhouse and everything like that is just is just better than everything else dustin what do you got no, I, I just, I love, cause like, I don't have a passport either. And I'm just like trying to picture myself in that situation. Like I, I was just, I, I don't even know what I would do. I think like th this is like the stuff that people don't really like learn a lot about or know a lot about. It's just like the logistical hoops of trying to play in a different country. Was there any like weird paperwork that you had to get signed that was like challenging or like, was that, was that hard to try to go and play baseball in a country that wasn't America? Um, well, we had to get like the work visa and everything like that. So that was a little interesting and then honestly i didn't even really get to spend too much time in toronto with all the COVID stuff that happened i feel like most of my time there we played in buffalo or dunedin okay that was my next question because <laughs> i remember that that yeah buffalo dunedin it's just every place but toronto um and then like they had the cardboard cutouts the, the piped in crowd noise <laughs> like playing during the COVID years was that how weird was that did you need the crowd did, were you somebody that like fed off of that and then you're just like it's dead quiet and you're playing in buffalo yeah it's definitely it was definitely really weird to play like with no fans like they pumped in the fake crowd noise and everything like that it was super weird that like it was just like quiet like you, you don't you can't really like explain how it was like because like no one's ever experienced that before and it was just it was just really weird the, I'm picturing like eerie. the cardboard cutouts, yeah. like singing <laughs> in the stadium, like they're putting all the fake fans there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, like, I feel like all the places did that. I don't know. I don't really know why they did that, but yeah. it was, it was just a really weird time. <laughs> it, yeah, it was just like a weird, eerie, like you're looking out over the sea of people smiling and they're just, yeah, cardboard <laughs> cutouts. Do you ever just like look back at that, like now a couple years removed from COVID and just think like, damn, that was really weird. Yeah, yeah. It was even more <laughs> weird, honestly, when we were when the fans were allowed back and we played in Dunedin and Buffalo because they were pretty much all like away games for us because like we would play the Yankees in Dunedin or Buffalo and you know obviously it's mainly Yankees fans or like Phillies and Red Sox, like they all had their spring trainings and, and you know, they all live around there, so it was it was weird. How, how many games do you think you've pitched actually in Toronto? I think I only thrown once there. Oh, my God. In That's 2019, crazy. I think I started one game there. And then, yeah, I was up in 2022 for like 10 days, but I didn't pitch there. So, yeah, only one time. Are you the kind of person that like likes to, cause you know, your pitchers you have a little more time. Like you get to like to walk around the cities that you play in to like, explore. And is that, is that something that you enjoy? No, I usually just sit in the hotel room and play video games for the most part, <laughs> but I have my wife That's with me. Routine. So she usually drags me out and makes me do stuff for the most part. <laughs> okay. 
All right, Kate, what do you that. got about the- Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was going to – that's so funny just because I remember when we were talking to Luis Severino last year, he said that he had to, like, buy an away outfit, like, every time they went to, like, an away <laughs> stadium. That was his, like, pregame ritual. But I think the video games is just cost-efficient, safer, and just <laughs> stay in the hotel room. Yeah, I agree. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteed a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. But people always say that the AL East is a monster, which, I mean, obviously it is. Everyone vying for a spot in the playoffs, especially this year. Do you relate to that statement? Because you have played a bulk of your career so far in the AL East with the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, every single one of those lineups is stacked for the most part. So, especially for a lefty, I feel like most of the teams are like righty dominant. So, it's definitely just like a different, it's a different animal just playing in there and just like, especially with the old schedule and we play everyone like 20 times each, like it was like every time it was like, you knew it was going to be a dog fight and you know, we're going to have to give them our best every single time. Right. And we had earlier this week, Jacob Turner, former uh, big league pitcher. And I remember I asked him about getting called like up and down because he made a really great start for the white Sox and then was just sent down. So can you like attest to that, that there's really never, a rhyme or reason why you're getting sent up and set down and how do you kind of handle that mentally? Oh yeah. I mean, you can go out there and shove and, you know, go four, three, four innings and dominate. But if they need an, an extra arm or something, if they're down an arm, they'll send you down. And that's just kind of how it works. It's, it's definitely tough mentally, just like, but I mean, you get used to it at, at some point, like you're kind of just numb to it really. Or is, that, is it something you just accept? Like, okay, it doesn't really matter. Just going to yeah. go out there and do my job and what happens, what happens. Exactly. You're like, well, just like, it's just like a number game at that point. You're like, it's not really anything I could have done or didn't do. So just got to be ready when I get called back up. Do you think that helps having like veterans on the team tell you that? Or is it something that maybe bothered you when you were younger getting called up? And then now as you've aged and been playing a little bit more consistently? Yeah, it definitely affected me. Uh, earlier on but now you kind of just see that like it's not just you that it's pretty much everyone's gone through it so you're just kind of used used to it at this point yeah absolutely justin what do you got i'm just curious again i always think from like the the human logistical aspects of like the options game because we've had a bunch of people on here and i think our our co-host even brian o'grady when the, the padres were calling him up and down from el paso to san diego like he had to live in a hotel and out of a suitcase for just months on end um how how hard is that? Because you're you know you, you probably like to have a little bit like stable footing under you. You like to be in one place for more than like a certain amount of time. Like, is that hard just from like the being a person part of this? The like packing up and having to move out every single like two weeks or whatever. Yeah, honestly, that's probably the hardest part. That's what I'm doing right now. I've been up for like a month and I can't really find a place that's like not crazy expensive. So we're kind of just living in the hotel and just kind of going along for the ride. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So wait, you're, so you've, you've been in a hotel for like a month now? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not ideal, but you know, you kind of just gotta, I've been doing it for 
three years now with just like the whole up and down stuff and kind of just used to it now. <laughs> How good are you at packing a suitcase? Oh, I could do it in like five minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it down pat. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these, guys, these guys have to. Yeah. Do you take your Xbox or PlayStation with you on the road? Yeah. Yeah. I bring, I have a PlayStation and a, and a laptop that I bring with me everywhere. Yeah. The essentials, only the essentials. <laughs> that's the most important Dude. part. Yeah. I feel like that's a big thing in clubhouses too. Like, do, are, do you have like a, a Call of Duty squad with some of your teammates? Um, I haven't played with anyone here, but I know a couple guys play like MLB The Show and stuff. So I'm going to have to uh, figure out who's who's good and who's not. That's so interesting that. that they yeah. play MLB The Show. Like, did they, they draft themselves? Did they play as themselves? <laughs> Probably, yeah. I know MLB The Show gives us out, gives us like our own 99 cards, which is it's pretty cool because I'm like a 60, so I wouldn't be able to actually use myself and unless I got better. <laughs> You're a 99 in all of our hearts, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so we, we've talked a little bit your, about your time in Toronto. Like, you know, when, when the Cubs opportunity came about, though, like, were you excited for just like the fresh start aspect of it? Yeah, I was really excited about it because everything I've heard about them is like they're really good with like all the analytics and everything like that and putting you in a position to succeed. So it was really nice to come over here and, and see what it's all about. And they've definitely exceeded my expectations with all that. I love that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like a top tier organization. It's a really, really good spot, especially this year. Um, I'm curious, though, like building relationships with catchers. You have a great one now and Jan Gomes. Like, how how do you go about building a relationship from scratch? Like, what are some of the things that you work on early? And have you been there long enough where, like, they know your tendencies and stuff now? Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps with, like, all the scouting and all the analytics that they have that they can look at that stuff. But it's nice that, like, I had a whole spring with all, all the guys, with Jan and Tucker. And so being able to just, like, have, like, a whole spring with them and – work with both of them and kind of show them like where I want them to set up and stuff like that, which is, is really nice. Do you use that cool pitch com thing in your hat? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think everyone uses it now. Yeah. Again, I'm fascinated by this. Now we had Matt Strom from the Phillies on recently. He was telling us all about that. Like, so it, it obviously shouts into your ear. Like, are you ever worried though? in like stadiums where there's not a lot of people that you think the batter could hear it or is that just like, yeah. And in triple I was kind of like, worried about it but i think we had one time where the catcher had his too loud and they were able to hear it for like a whole inning and they're like they told them afterwards and they were like yeah we, so we knew what pitch was coming every single time gosh the poor pitch <laughs> horrible <laughs> yeah the pitcher's out there just struggling he has no clue that it, it's like why am i getting hit so hard i don't good. i'm killing it today yeah i don't know what else <laughs> yeah <laughs> What is a, so how does that work? Does it, does it shout like the location and like the pitch type? And does it tell you like, I think Matt Strom said there's like a button that says like fastball strike, fastball ball. Is yeah. that like, how does it kind of work like that? Yeah, it'll be like fastball and then like the catch will do location like strike or like you can do like, I think like up in and out and all that, which honestly I think it's, it's really nice. You can kind of like, you don't have to worry about getting signs or anything like that. You can get in like a pretty good rhythm with it. 
did, was there like an adjustment period where like obviously it's like a relatively new piece of technology like did it take you a while to get used to that thing screaming at you yeah the first couple times was weird just because like you're so used to getting the signs and everything like that that you're just like you don't even really like know what to look at like when you're coming set because you're like looking for the signs you're like uh they're not there anymore so now what do i look at <laughs> Yeah. Ooh. I'm curious if it like messes yeah. with your timing a little bit when you're, cause you, you're so used to like, oh, okay, I take my sign. I get set. Yeah. yeah I think it kind of helps now, honestly, cause you don't have to okay. worry about like, especially with a guy on second base when you have to like do multiple signs, it definitely helps. Interesting. I'm fascinated by this because like what happens if you shake the catcher off and he has to go through like hit like six different buttons <laughs> and now, now you have a pitch clock to worry about. Like, yeah. has that ever been, has that ever been a thing? Um, I don't really shake too much, so I don't really have that problem. I'm more of a like trust your catcher kind of guy, so I don't really have that problem, but I've definitely seen that happen where like guys have had to shake off a, a couple times and then they get called for a violation. Yeah. Or you just be like Zach Grinky and call your own pitches and shake yourself off. <laughs> exactly. It's my favorite, my favorite so video. Funny. Um, You've been killing it this year for the Cubs, dude. Like, all your numbers are fantastic. And I know it's a small sample size, but you've been absolutely killing it. Like, what are some of the things you've done? Or, like, who are some of the people that who have helped you the most? Um, honestly, like, the whole pitching staff has been unbelievable over here. They've kind of they shown me the sweeper that everyone's throwing now, which has definitely helped for me to get lefties out because I've always had, like, reverse splits as a pitcher. I've always been better against righties than lefties, so – I think that adding that to the arsenal has definitely helped, you know, kind of being able to get both sides of the plate out. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Kate, go ahead. And you went across the pond this year in London series. What was that experience like? Just kind of walk us through that. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, the, the travel alone was like seven, eight hours both way, which obviously sucked, but we had days, we had two days off when we got there. The first day, like, everyone kind of just, like, slept or, like, did whatever they had to do to kind of get adjusted to the time. And then the second day we had a workout. And then, you know, everyone did, like, all the touristy stuff that we did. And then we had two games and then flew back, which, I mean, there was, like, I think that place holds 70,000 people, which is insane. Yeah. Like, you saw, like, it was funny because, like, I don't think – like anyone over there is like a fan of like the Cubs or the Cardinals. So it was just like, everyone was just wearing like these random jerseys, which I think was hilarious. Were they even like trying to wear the colors or it was just <laughs> like, they were wearing like soccer jerseys, like cricket it was jerseys. Just like, I think they could just like, they found whatever Jersey they had and they just wore it. It was great. I think there were a lot of Cubs fans there though. I feel like a lot of people from, um, like, a lot of, I mean, the Cubs, I think, are very hard, their loyal fan base. I feel like yeah. they, a lot of them went to London to watch them play. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of killing two birds with one stone. You get to visit London and then see the Cubs play, which is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a favorite touristy thing that you guys did? Um, well, going back to to um, the video games, there was a uh, – Call of Duty map that's based on a place in London that I had to go see. So I did that. That's and so cool. my wife was like, why are we going here? And I was like, I need to see it. <laughs> She's like, I just want to go shopping. I mean, there's yeah, like, oh, there's exactly. so much cheaper. All the bags are cheaper there. Yeah. I, I feel for her. <laughs> I think I know the map you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. 
would you like the opportunity to play in like another international series? I know the travel part of it must've been brutal, but like, was the whole experience enjoyable enough that you're like, Hey, sign me up. Yeah, no, I would definitely do it again. I mean, I know a lot of the guys did uh, feel the dreams uh, the year before mm, and they liked yeah. that. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely a once in a lifetime experience. So I think, you know, obviously if you get the chance, you gotta, you gotta take it. Wasn't there something with that field in London where like the turf was like, it, the balls were bouncing higher or something like was the yeah. field condition part of that weird? Yeah, it was. So I think they only, they built it like a week before the game. So I think the turf that they used might've been like weird. It was kind of like, it kind of felt like the, like the like high school turf where like you get like on a high school, like football field where it was just like super bouncy when the ball bounced on it. I don't think we really saw anything in the two games where it affected anything, but you could tell like during batting practice and stuff that like it was, it could have played a part in something like there was a lot of like ground doubles and batting practice and stuff like that. But I don't think we really saw anything in the actual games where you were like, that shouldn't have happened. Okay. Yeah. That's always the concern when you're playing on like not baseball fields is like, yeah, the, the balls are just doing weird things now. So that's, that's good to hear that you guys didn't. Yeah. Um, Talking about the Cubs this year though, you guys, you seem like you have a really fun group. I, I asked my friend who's a Cubs fan for all the low down, like, Christopher Morell, he said he always has a big smile on his face. It, ju- it just feels like a good locker room to be in. Like, who are some of the guys that like keep the the vibes high, the clubhouse loose, and are just all around good to, to be around? Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good locker room. the The vibes are always high. We got like Billy and Dansby and Morell. They're always keeping things light and everything like that. So I think when I first got called up, we won like nine to ten. So the vibes were really high and. It was, it was fun to join into. <clears throat> Speaking in general, though, like how important is it for, for a clubhouse to have a good group of guys like that or just like a couple like glue guys, whatever you want to call them, like have those people around? How important is that? Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, you never want to have like a boring or a dull clubhouse. It's just like super weird to be into when, when, you, when you get into there. But it's definitely nice to have, you know, upbeat and, and guys that are just happy to be there. Absolutely. I love that, dude. All right, I'm going to throw it to Kate for any last, last ones before I do some rapid fire. I think that's all I got. Yeah, let's do rapid fire. I'm pumped. Okay. Uh, so do you and Marcus Stroman ever talk about your Long Island roots? And is there any like residual <laughs> rivalries there? Uh, so I think our, our high schools were uh, were rivals in, in Long Island, but obviously we never faced each other because we we're a couple years apart. But um, yeah, we've, we've talked about it a little bit. I love it. Yeah. You guys have a lot in common too, like being traded for for each other, like yeah. Long Island. That's, that's yeah, kind of great. fun you guys are playing together. Yeah, I never even met him, I don't think, up until up until we played together this year, which is crazy. Um, this is this is the question I've been most excited to ask you. Um, how chill is Cody Bellinger? <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Like I said before, like he's always uh keeps the vibes up and he's just a great guy to be around. Okay. Would you say that chill is a pretty good word to use when it when it comes to him? Yeah, seems, I think, I seem I think awesome. that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. He's always happy. Um, yes. That's he's I love that guy. Um what is the most memorable at bat of your career? Or like the yeah. hitter that you face? Um I know I I think I struck out Miguel Cabrera in spring training. So it kinda counts, but not really, but I'm still, I still think I have the video on my phone of it. 
<laughs> that counts. That totally yeah. counts. Yeah. Come on. It's just not like in the record books, but it happened. <laughs> That's got to be crazy, though, like facing some of the legends of the game, like like Pujols or just like some of these guys you were watching as a kid. Did Were you ever like starstruck? Or I don't know if that's the right word, but like were you ever just like, oh my God, that's that's that guy? Um, You kind of try not to be, but it's, it's definitely hard when you, when you like grow up watching all these guys. But I think it's more of like when you see guys like Derek Jeter and stuff like that, that are like around the clubhouse. Like when I went to the Futures game, I saw like Ken Griffey Jr. And he was my favorite player growing up. So it was like, that was like the first time where I was like, oh my God, it's Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good one to be, ex- to be excited to be around. That's that guy's the best. Yeah. Um, we touched a little bit on this, but like what MLB rule change did you have like the hardest time adjusting to? Um, I mean, I didn't like the pitch clock at first just cause like in the, when we did it in the minors last year, like it, you still have to go through all the signs and stuff cause they didn't have the pitch come. And it was kind of like you were more worried about the clock than anything because you didn't want to get bald. But I think, you know, that now that we have the pitch calm and everything, it makes things go a little bit faster. And, you know, it's fine. It definitely helps speed up the game and everything, which is nice. Being in the bullpen, too, like I'm sure you're loving the fact that these games are like two hours, 220, <laughs> as opposed to like three plus, right? Yeah, it's definitely nice, you know, not getting home at midnight anymore and getting home a little bit earlier now Ooh, okay this what speaking of which uh the cubs obviously wrigleyville uh we had frank schwindel on the podcast last year and he said that like after games he would just walk around wrigleyville and just go hang out have you had an opportunity to do that do you pop into bars just like getting the whole wrigleyville vibe <laughs> so after one of the games probably like two weeks ago me and my wife went to eat at one of the places literally across the street and um, there was this fan that was talking to someone else about like the team, how much he was loving everything. And he was going over the bullpen and everything. And he was like, talk about lighter and Merriweather and all those guys. And he like, he brought up me, but he called me uh, Anthony Ray. And me and my wife are just sitting there just cracking up at this guy. Cause he doesn't know that he's literally sitting right next to me. Wait, that's awesome. That's so funny. Did you chime in? No, I was, I'm not the one to like, like say anything, but I was, we were just cracking up. Have you ever been like walking down the street recognized? I don't think so. No. Interesting. Are you, are you excited for the day that does happen? Cause it has to be flattering. It's like, Hey, (laughs) I'm a big, I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah. It'd definitely be pretty cool, but haven't had it happen yet. Soon. Soon. I think the Cubs fan base will rally around you here. It's yes. going to be, it's going to be awesome. Um, you mentioned the bullpen. Uh, I love just like getting to hear stories of like when fans interact with the guys that are sitting in the bullpen is, was there like a funniest thing that a fan is like heckled down into it or just like an interaction with a fan from the bullpen? Um, I don't think so. A lot of it is very, um, either we're getting yelled at, just yelling curse words at us or something like in Boston or Yankee stadium, stuff like that. But we haven't, I haven't really had anything like too crazy. I find that so interesting when they like heckle the bullpen as (laughs) if they are doing anything to contribute to the game at the moment. Yeah. We're just sitting there and they're just yelling at us. (laughs) I'm just waiting my turn. Why are you yelling at me? I didn't even do anything. (laughs) I think that's probably half the allure of it. It's like, you guys can't go anywhere. So you you just have to sit there and take it. Yeah. You kind of just got to wear it. 
especially in exactly. like in Fenway. They're like the fans are literally on top of you. They can like touch you if they wanted to. Uh, they know that you can hear them because they're right there. And you can just like turn around. They're all just like flipping you off like immediately. So Any anything from Yankee Stadium bullpen? Um, I don't think so. Nothing crazy because. I feel like those are my people since, you know, I grew up with that, that I'm just like used to the way that they talk to us. So I think that's just funny. Well, that could be the card you play in case you ever did. Yeah. It's like, guys, <laughs> I'm from here. You're just, I'm one of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just turns around like, I get it. I get it. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. That's what you have to do in case that ever happens. Um, here, here's something. When did you make the switch from goggles to no goggles? Cause I've seen old pictures of you and you had the Eric Gagne look going and it was sick. <laughs> Are they contacts now? Yeah, contacts. I did it. Uh, I think I did it a little bit last year in AAA, just like towards the end of the year. But I made the full time switch this off season. Take me. You got to take me through that. What <laughs> what went into that? Do you miss the goggles? Because like that's such an iconic like pitchers, especially you see them going out to the mound with the goggles on. You're like you're about to. Yeah, no. There was just it. like certain times where like they would fog up and stuff like that. That I kind of just got sick of it and just made the switch. And I tried contacts earlier, like years ago and i just like could never get them in my eyes but at this time i was like i'm i'm figuring it out this time you got it down are you ever worried that like dirt or like anything's gonna get in there because like I, I that's the biggest reason i've never worn contacts is just like i would just be scared to poke my eyeball there was one game in uh when we were in saint paul back when i was in AAA, where i knew i wasn't pitching that day but one of my contacts fell out and so I was kind of just sitting out there, just like blind. But thankfully, I knew I wasn't pitching that day. I don't know what I would have done if if I had to go into the game. But God. that was the closest call I've had so far. Oh gosh, You're just frantically so trying to find it and shove it back <laughs> in your eye. Yeah, that would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Um, well, cool. All right, I just have one last, last one for you. I always like to end with this one. What is the best piece of advice that someone's ever given to you? Um honestly just be yourself there's so much like especially up here there's so much like noise and all that stuff that can distract you and you know it's tough to be yourself up here with like all the people that you face and stuff like that that you're not used to but and i think if you kind of just be yourself and just trust everything that you've done in the past like you'll succeed love it love that Dude, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for your time. I think Kate and I are both just going to become Chicago Cubs fans now. More specifically, <laughs> Anthony K. Chicago Cubs fans now. But um, this is incredible. Continued success for the rest of the year. Uh, and, and have a good series against Boston this weekend, dude. Thank you. Appreciate it. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.